Hello everyone, and welcome back to Netrunner Quest. I am your host, Code Marvelous, joined by several of my co-hosts, several, a couple of my co-hosts, uh, including Laura, otherwise known as Oslet, and Sanjay, always known as Sanjay. Hi, uh, how's it going? And in addition to my two compatriots, we have with us a very special guest, uh, Russell, otherwise known as Talasin, from the United Kingdom. Thank you so much for being with us, Russell. You're very welcome. Glad to be here. So we recently met up in Meat Space Netrunner for, <laughs> yeah. um, for the, the very, very fun King of Subways uh, tournament. And uh, we decided that it would be really, really awesome to have you on to talk about some of the experience that you've had uh, around that tournament in particular, but in Netrunner in general, the way you view it and kind of travel around, but also prepping for big tournaments. But... Um, why don't we talk a little bit about you, get a little bit of your Netrunner story, and then we'll dive into it. Sure. So it's an absolute privilege and a pleasure to be uh, here with you today. I'm completing one of the elements of my bucket list, which was to be a guest on a, on a podcast. That's really <laughs> super, super fun. So I started playing Netrunner in the middle of 2015. I read an article in The Guardian, a UK newspaper, about this game where, and it was the story of somebody going to their first tournament um, and uh, uh, written by uh, their partner. And it was actually Catherine, who I now is a, is a really good friend. Um, and I practice with her quite, quite regularly now. So it was an article about her first tournament and this game seemed really super cool. So um, I talked to my son about it and, um, and we ordered a core set and then spent two hours trying to figure out the rule sets on our, on our dining table, <laughs> much as you all did, I suspect, and then and the rest the rest is, is kind of history. Um, so well, I guess, what, what else could I say about myself? So uh, I am the second oldest Netrunner player in the United Kingdom. Um, I'm not sure about the world, um, but I'm pretty <laughs> much up there, so I'm not part of the conventional demographic, but I love this game. Um, I, I just got really involved in the community. So I, I love the Netrunner community. It's been really eye-opening in, in, in a variety of different ways. I, uh, for my sins, I moderate stimhack.com. Uh, I moderate stimhack.slack.com. And I also um, am the author of the Vegetable Alt Arts, which you may have seen and which were actually prizes at, 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 at Oh, which I will say, yes. I think um, it's, I, th I think, you know, you've, you've done a lot of good things for the community. I think that is uh, the thing that makes you is, is the number one thing that makes you a celebrity in my eyes. Uh, I love those vegetable arts. They are incredible. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm yeah. all about the vegetable alt arts. Um, <laughs> Swifty gave me a uh, self-modifying gourd at King of Servers uh, 2017, and as a Shaper player, I was just like, this might be like the best alt art ever. I'm just like immediate swap. My story with Russell's alt art is that I put one in my deck by accident, not realizing it wasn't the real card, because that's how bad I am <laughs> at paying close at attention to card arts. And um, so the the Levy, um, what what's your version of it called? Uh, Levy AR Greenhouse Access. Yeah, Leafy, right? Leafy, Leafy, right. Leafy. Yeah. So the words are totally different, and I did not notice at all. And I put it in my deck. And I played it, and my husband was like, what is that card? And that was when I first noticed that it wasn't actually Levy. Yeah, I think one of the downsides of me coming back with uh, from Worlds without actually having done well at all is that I came back with a bunch of uh, fan-made alt arts that um, are not always recognizable or uh, have the right words on them. <laughs> no, that's an upside. Yeah. <laughs> So the other, the other thing, the other guess about vegetable alt arts is that I'm hoping that Sanjay and I can collaborate on the next one. So yeah. it'll, be, it'll, be, it'll be a surprise when it comes out, but I think it's going to yeah, be a good one. Yeah, watch the skies. Okay. All yeah, right. that'd be uh, awesome. <laughs> but yeah, so the big thing is, is uh, well, one of the things that kind of brought you to us and brought us to recording this episode is that um, you travel a lot for work, as uh, you've mentioned in online spaces before. And you get to visit a lot of metas. Um, one of the things that you did is you came to King of Subways, which is going to be the meat of our show. But talk to me a little bit about... I, I, I so much want that experience for myself, and I'm sure a lot of our uh, listeners would also be uh, excited to hear what that experience has been like, kind of traveling around the world and playing in different metas. So... 
It's a ton of fun. I, I say I, I think I did 70,000 miles on, on, on business last year flying around the world. Ooh. So I'm, I'm on the road a fair amount of time. So I always take a deck with me uh, or two decks. Um, sometimes I'm stopped at security asking what the suspicious, uh, what, the, <laughs> what the suspicious dense piece of organic material is in my bag. So I've, I've, le- I've learned not to travel with the ANR metal dice because they just get Greetings. me flagged at security every single time. So I don't take those with me anymore. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I've played in Berlin. I've played in um, I've played in most European countries at some point. Uh, I think I got to go to Bel- uh, Dutch Nationals last year, which was a lot of fun. Oh, and then in, in in North America, so I I, I I hooked up with the Philly Meta when I was there. And actually, <laughs> I'd never played Laurie Poulter in real life. Um, uh, and of course, he's a big UK player. But we actually met in <laughs> Philadelphia and played played our first game in real life in Philadelphia. Um, but it's good because basically anywhere you go in the world, you can take a Netrunner deck and check out the local Facebook page and um, and figure out. Usually I've got some notice, so I, I tend to look online ahead before I'm going and then uh, send a message to the local organizer and say, I'm going to be in your area in a couple of weeks' time. You know, if I was there on the Monday evening and had some time free, do you want to meet up? And it's it's when it, when it happens, it's really good. Yeah, so a question awesome. about that. What goes into uh, deck selection uh, if you know that you're going to be stuck with a deck for because uh, <laughs> uh, because um, I, I, you know, I flip, flip around like a butterfly. Uh, um, it seems like quite a quite a commitment yeah. to one to one uh, set of uh, cards. So, to... <laughs> Honestly, Sanjay, most time it's the deck I most recently sleeved up for a tournament in the UK and, and happen to have have available <laughs> when I'm frantically packing the night before. Um, but this this was different because obviously this was going for a specific reason for uh, for, for King of Subways. So I just took, I just played the decks that I'd got there. Although in Minneapolis uh, we played draft, um, so I got the, the chance to do my second uh, real life draft ever, and that was a load of fun. So really really enjoyed uh, drafting, and I managed to dra- I I drafted in Toronto with Dean and the group up there, and just got crushed. And those guys <laughs> are so good at drafting. I went I went zero and six. And in, in one game, I was Apocalypse, Account Siphoned, Quest Completed, <laughs> uh, Offer You Can't Refute, you name it, in that I just got absolutely destroyed. Um, so I was very happy that in Minneapolis, I went 2-4 and four rather than 0-6. <laughs> so I know that uh, one of the Netrunner Quest uh, goals is you know talking about getting better at the game. And I think to some extent you have a interesting perspective on that in that um you've gotten a lot of i think both uh due to you know putting yourself out there um and you know asking for help and going on this recent cool trip um and also just you know your your own initiative uh you've gotten some cool um insight into getting better uh is that uh fair and if so can you talk about that Sure. I, I don't think it's particularly profound and unique to me, but I, I, th- I think I started really working hard on improving my game, I guess, about a year ago. Um, I, you know, there's enthusiasm for the game, and that's one thing, but I decided I really wanted to get better. And I, so I guess um, I, so I've, I've never taken, even in the first tournament that I went to um, at a GNK in, in Manchester, I, I just... I always net deck. I've never taken anything less than the currently best tier one deck. So I'm not a deck builder. Um, I, I know I just pick things which seem to be good at the moment and play those. Or, and, and I think this is really exciting about Netrunner, I email the world champion or I send a message to the, <laughs> to the, to, I send a message to the US national champion and say, what do you think I should play next week? And how many games are there like that where you can just, you can just get in touch? And they're really accessible. So Chris Dyer, if anybody wants to do it, he won't thank me for this. But if you, everyone if, wants yeah, to do it, just, just, just message Chris, right? Yeah. Just, 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 or, or. Or, or any of the any of the big players in the game, they're all really open and accessible, and I've I've messaged all of them. Like the, you know, the tournament I, I did really well in a tournament in in Manchester recently. I've King of Swiss, and I came second in that. And um, the runner deck that I took to that, I I got from Dave Hoyland. I you know he, and part of that he pushed me to try something that was a bit different. So Dave is known for off meta decks, 
um, and I'd been playing Reg Anak for ages, and that seemed really good. But he's been on Apoc Val and did really well at Cheltenham in a, in a store championship there. So I took his I, I took his deck and I played like a hundred games with it. Um, and <laughs> after every game, I got back to him and said, "I just lost to this. What <laughs> what should I have done?" And he was really generous with his time. He just just he just uh, you know he just pushed me and and asked me questions about what I was doing, and then said that well that was completely wrong. You should have done this instead. Um, <laughs> and 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 That's I ended. Awesome. I ended up doing really well. Yeah, that's really great. Yeah, I I, I, I really admire that. Go ahead. Go ahead, Dan. No, no, go ahead, Laura. Um, I feel like that is a common theme among um people who have really done well is that they um they reach out a lot. They talk to other people in the community a lot, and maybe I'm maybe that's the homework I need to give myself is to be bold enough to like message someone that I don't really know, or even someone I do know, but I, I don't know, see as being too important to talk to me. Well, I always make the the joke, (laughs) not completely jokingly, that I started my channel, the interview format of my channel as an excuse to be able to approach top tier players and ask them about how they build their decks. I Mm -hmm. just, I made it like I'm interviewing you, but I'm also taking notes on how to be good at this game. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess what you're learning now is that you've done way too much work for that because you can just. Yeah, I, mean, well, I mean, but that, but that's been my uh, to corroborate what Russell said. That's by my experience too. You know, living in a geographical location, close proximity to Dan Diorgenio, basically my entire Netrunner career. You know, I've always just been like, hey. Oh, am I super quiet? Hang on. It's because Baldur's pushing me farther and farther away from my microphone. Hopefully that's probably better. But what I was You sounded say... fine to me getting feedback from the Twitch viewers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But um for me, uh, you know, being close to Dan has always made it so I've been able to be very good at just having somebody to be like, hey, take a look at this and, um, you know, work things out that way. Hopefully the mic volume is a little better now. But yeah. So one, one question I have is that uh, I think in terms of, uh, you know, especially prepping for a tournament, um, when you have access to extremely good Netrunner players, that's really handy and you can get uh, really good advice, and I know that um, even not messaging people, but just you know hearing them talk on a podcast or um, on a YouTube channel, um, my play gets better uh, listening to people who are very good at Netrunner. Um, I also wonder about uh, you know my friends have very ready access to me, uh, but I'm not a Netrunner <laughs> genius. Uh, how can I help their game? Uh, yeah, that's an interesting one because the question. I think there is a set of questions which you can always ask, um, which and and those are the questions that help me all the time, especially in games or or otherwise. Which is that you know what are you trying? If somebody's building a deck um, and they've got a question um, for you about this, then you know a good question is what are you trying to do with your deck? What is the purpose mm-hmm. of your what is what, what is the purpose of your deck? Or what is your deck? What does your deck consistently lose to? And then mm-hmm. it, it's, it could be play, it could be the way you're playing your deck in that matchup, or it could be that your deck is generally weak and needs some shoring up or, or something else like that. And I think there are a good set of questions that experienced players know about that anybody anybody can ask. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I confess, right? Dan, Dan messaged me the other day and said, "Would you take a look at this guy's list?" And I was like, "Seriously, Dan, you want me to look at a guy's list?" <laughs> and he just said, "Well, you just played guys at King of Subways, and and you seem like you know what you're doing. So could you could we could you take a look at it?" And we and we chatted for ages about it, and I took it for a spin uh, for three out three uh, three games on Jaina, and we realised that it was it probably was garbage. It was garbage. <laughs> <laughs> But we, 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 we realized that there was, we realized what the limitations were. We figured out why it was garbage and we put it on one side. But I think that's something that any, any experienced Netrunner player, even if you're like, experienced, you know, even if you may not be, you know, you're not world's top 16 level, you can ask those questions. So there's questions about deck building. I guess there's questions about play. And I think that's something that came out of um, King of Subways for me. And more recently, there are some things that I've been working on, which are really sort of more at the higher levels of play like um, 
So I have, I have this joke, right? I'm a master of plucking defeat from the jaws of victory. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, and it happens more, more than it should. And that's because I don't think enough about the ways. The good question is, how can you lose this match? And how mm-hmm. is your opponent going to win this match? And when we get to talking about King of Serveways, I could, you know, there are a couple of instances there. But, you know, losing games that you should never have lost because you just didn't think about the ways that your opponent could win from this position and then playing to avoid that and stopping that. Right. Maybe yeah, we have to... an anecdote. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, maybe Russell and I just to... played a recent game online where... Um... That, that sort of happened, and then we chatted about it a lot afterwards, and I think we both learned a lot from it. Did, yeah. Uh, so I'll, so we were, I was playing uh, 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 Abram Jop's uh, Rainus, Rainer Max deck against Laura, and I had it completely locked down. Um, mm-hmm. uh, she'd got to five points, she'd got to five points, and I had money coming in like there was no tomorrow, and a remote, and Laura, you kept on jamming stuff in the remote, and I had this game completely locked until what happened, Laura? You can tell the story. Um, well, I ended up. I was on. I was on four points because I was on in all three pointers as Mari, um, yeah. and I had um, all. I was trying to go as fast as I could before he was set up because that's what you have to do. And so I looked at my hand and I had three NGO fronts in my hand. So I jammed them like three turns in a row. Maybe I put something else in there in between. But um, and I watched, and every time he broke through the server he did the same thing which was click three times through the Fairchild and then use security nexus on the last ice which was a news hound which he could break because he had an MK but it was much cheaper with the security nexus so I watched this happen like several times in a row and then realized I have like just actually I didn't even do the math I just hoped it would work like <laughs> I have I think I have just enough credits that if he follows this exact same pattern I can put the winning agenda in and boost the security nexus trace because we both had tons of money, but I could boost the security nexus trace enough that I could um, score out that last agenda and win, and it worked. Yeah, so. and it and it worked spectacularly well, and I was very chagrined. But it, I mean, it draws a more generous point: is that there are some games that you think you've got locked, but if you don't, uh, if you want a really high level play, good players don't make those mistakes, right? Well, good, one of the things, one of the things that Dan um, used to always tell me, and Dean when Dean and I used to be in more close contact and or when he was on this show. Um, uh, a piece of advice that we've gotten a lot from a lot of uh, higher level players is, is, you know, the middle weight is figuring out how you win. The top tier is identifying how you lose and thinking every turn, not what is my line to victory, but what are my lines to loss and how do I avoid them? Mm-hmm. And that's something that I think is a critical mindset shift. And that segues really well into kind of the meat of our episode because we, you know, hanging out with you, talking with you, Russell, now because of the King of Subways experience, you know, you got put onto a team with Kenny, <laughs> otherwise known as Simon Moon, and Dan D'Argenio, two times world champion. And they kind of put you through a training regimen to kind Pretty- of. Yeah, and like I think there's a lot of value there for our listeners. So let's talk a little bit about the training regiment that you underwent to uh, get ready for King of Subways. Yeah, so Kenny's a hard taskmaster. Uh, <laughs> bless him. So I mean, uh, yeah. So I realized I was going to be in New York. I should just tell the story. I realized I was going to be in New York. So I emailed Kenny and said, you know, it, I think I can be there for King of King of Subways. It, you know, does anybody need a team? And he said, well, I, I need a team. I need my team needs a team member. <laughs> and I didn't, you know, and and so I said, okay, great. Who who's the other team member? And he said, Dan, Dan Dargenio. And I was like, oh boy, you know, the team is going to be the U.S. Nationals runner-up, the two-time world champion, and a guy who once came second in the store championship in Manchester. <laughs> um, so how did we prepare? So the first thing is, um, so Kenny and I talked about. Um, factions that was all the teams were doing that so and we agreed that probably Dan had already agreed that he wanted to do Val and um, and Agin Fusion so he was on those um, and Kenny wasn't that fussed um, and I really love Geist I really enjoy playing Geist and I'm pretty comfortable with them and um, with, with him and as a faction the criminal's pretty weak right now except, except for Geist which is good um, and I've got and I had and I knew I had other 
I've got access to people like Catherine, uh, um, who's a really good uh, guys player, has played at a ton, so I knew that I could get uh, input from them. And then Argus. And we didn't have an Argus list. Um, I didn't have an Argus list. I played a lot of Scorp and done reasonably well with Scorp. But Kenny suggested this Argus list, um, which, uh, which went undefeated in the tournament. So what did I do? I guess, so the first thing is, I got a ton of games in. More games than I have ever got with any deck ever before. Literally, I don't know, I think I played 150 games um, with that Argus deck. Um, and, and it's interesting to see how it breaks down. So to start off with, you're kind of the usual flailing around with the deck um, and tr just trying to figure out what even are these cards? <laughs> you know, I've never boomed. I mean, I, you know, I've never boomed anybody before I played this deck. Literally, oh, man, you, know, you were missing out boomed. on one of life's great pleasures. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. So I'd it's never boomed instrument, honestly. <laughs> um, so a getting a lot of games in um, but then b i think the second part of that was um, some subtleties like so for example especially the night before um, we, um kenny and i sat and we generated like 50 opening hands um, um and just said mull or keep and we went through all of those opening hands saying you know would you keep this hand and if you would keep this hand um, and then draw a card and you can do that on that one on db what's your what is your first turn going to be and that, that meant, along with the learning the deck itself and being there, that I didn't have to think in any game that I played that day, should I mull or keep? Maybe one, I leaned across to Dan and, and Kenny and said, what do you think? This one's a bit marginal. <laughs> um, but in general, I didn't have to think about that. And that relieved a lot of the anxiety. I've been to tournaments before when I haven't mm -hmm. really played a deck before, but this time I, I really wanted practice, you know. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for having confidence in the decks that you're bringing. Um, I will I will bring decks that maybe the meta has shifted away from those decks being favored, but if I feel confident with them, I'm going to play them rather than jumping to something new that might be a better meta choice, but you took I the haven't sync, practiced. Yeah, you took the Sync Boom deck to... Um... Reg no, not regionals. Uh, yeah, regionals. Yeah, regionals last year. Yeah, but mm -hmm. after that had been out and it was on the decline, and you still like it was went ripping I, through the top cut people with it. That was probably my crowning achievement in Netrunner ever. Is um, I had my sync boom deck and sat across from Dan Dargenio, and we were in um, like semifinals or something. So it was determining like third place versus fourth place, um, and. He like looked over what I was playing. Was like, oh yeah, I beat like I I went like six and zero against this deck in at Euros <laughs> or whatever the big tournament had been where he had done well and he hadn't dropped any games to it. And then, and then we went on to have a, a really interesting game and I ended up winning. And so that was that makes you yeah. the two time world champion. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that, but you're now the two time world champion. You have to put a white beater on. Yeah. <laughs> So I have a question about the uh, 150 hours of uh, gameplay you put in with your, uh, or I don't know if that was... Like, 150 oh, games. No, you said 150 games. 150 hours, jeez. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be <laughs> but regardless, there was a lot of time that you put in, um, uh, especially, I guess, uh, I, I wasn't in on the last episode where uh, Kevin uh, talked to us about deliberate practice and uh, what kind, and, you know, there's different kinds of ways you can play. You can... Uh, play you know just casual games to sort of get a feel for a deck you can uh play to sort of work on a specific matchup uh what was the the play like it sounded like the main goal was to familiarize yourself with the deck and get um comfortable with it um yeah. So can you talk to me about like what that process was like? Sure. So, so the first part is definitely becoming familiar with the deck and what are you going to draw and what's a good opening hand and, and so on. I think after, the the thing that I focused on, um, especially as it, as KOS grew nearer, was figuring out the specific lines for specific matchups. Um, and um, a, a better example of that is with the Geist list than with the Argus list because I really, really struggled against CTM. And I just, could, I mean, Catherine just beat me again and again and again. And I, you know, I just couldn't figure out how to do this. And, and so one strategy, which you did talk about last time, I think it's worth, even if, um, is, is the, the concept of coaching, or at least having somebody looking over your shoulder. I love having people looking over my shoulder, especially when they're more experienced. So we, we actually played, I think, four or five games 
I think it was even the night before, um, um, I was playing against um, Doge Diaper Industries, which is the consortium of, uh, of, uh, of, of Catherine and Dave Sayer. Um, um, and they were playing, I just said, please, can you just play CTM? And then Kenny and I were, were, were playing Geist against this. And we figured out that actually, normally as Geist, you just don't want to go tagged. It's just the death knell if you go tagged. You have no economy and all the rest of it. But we figured out that actually, if you can keep CTM low on money, and if you can get enough accesses in, uh, the newer CTM builds don't have a lot of tag punishment, maybe one exchange and uh, one psychographics. And if you can keep them low on money and just get enough accesses in, uh, especially if they drop to one QPM, you can actually do, do pretty well. And so I lost my mm. fear of going tag, going tag me. Um, and, and actually, that, sometimes that's the best thing to do. And normally, as guys, you'd never do that. Um, so I think learning learning specific matchups and having and having somebody looking over my shoulder, um, which I, I you know I love it, you know when when that happens. Somebody I, even if somebody just watching the game who I know is spectating, mm-hmm. and then I get on chat behind the scenes or get on Slack behind <laughs> the scenes and say, okay, this is my hand. What do you think? And that shared experience of learning a deck and and figuring out, especially what are your lines against this matchup. Um, and then adapting those lines based on the cards that you've actually got in your hand. Uh, so those are the two things that I really focused on this. The other thing that's part of that, I think um, um, it, didn't, it didn't really come across in the last Netrunner question, but it might be worth mentioning this. So if I'm playing against a friend, um, playtesting, it's good to stop at a particular, if there's a key point in the game, right? You mm-hmm. stop, right? Especially if your p- opponents uh, who you're, 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 you're playing with, you're learning with, is, is, is maybe made a misplay or they're making a run you think is a, is a match. It's just they stop. Okay, just think, what, is, what do you know about the game state right now? Especially when they're runner. Why, what, are you, what are you running on this server for? What do you think the ice might be? Um, what's the worst thing that could happen in this scenario? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then to, and to think that avoids the situation that we were talking about earlier where you, you make a critical misplay the way you lose so much tempo. So... I used to face check Archer a lot because I'd always forget that Wayland's got six credits and a, and a scored <laughs> hostile. Every Archer, every ice could be Archer. Only four credits, even. Only four. Four credits. credits. Four credits. <laughs> that's right. So, so I think that's something that um, I did, um, especially running up to um, um, to nationals last year, was to um, to play friends and then at critical points in the game take stock. Or, or talk, mm-hmm. especially especially talking through outs, right? So you're on you're on what is probably the last turn in the game. Ben Nebioken is really good at figuring out his optimal line to win, and that's something that I I really valued. Is okay if you could run here or you could run here. What are the statistical chances of a win in either direction? Right. Yeah, I like how he pauses his videos or he instructs his viewers to pause the videos at certain key points and to think through what you should do. And of course, when he's he has hindsight when he's doing this because he records his games and then talks over them. But but maybe that's a skill to work on, like when you're playing a game live to notice, oh, this is the critical turn. This is the critical point. Like, stop. And, 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 take and that brings stop. me to something that uh, when Noah McKee was on the show. Um, he talked about the importance of when a game is fresh in your mind, taking notes, can you identify the critical play that won you the game or the critical play that lost you the game, right? Mm-hmm. What are some of like the key things that stick out in your mind and just like trying to write that down or put that in your phone immediately because like a dream almost that kind of flies out of your head. You start talking to people and your brain starts changing that fresh evaluation of what happened. Right. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I think about uh, something that's a really good nougat there, Russell, that you mentioned is, is a lot of people when they're testing for a tournament, they focus a lot about what they their deck wants to do and should do. And they gear all of their practice around making that happen. They don't gear any of their practice around, well, the engine is broken. How do I win <laughs> from here? Right. Mm -hmm. Or my game plan is gone. How do I now use the tools that I built in this deck to do one thing to do what I need to do to win this game instead of what my deck intends to do? I'll use an example of just a bullshit practice game that you and I had, Russell, where you ended up piling like six tags on me as Argus uh, as um, 
my freedom build where I'm playing a lot of resources and I'm like, well, I guess those are all hit points now. Let's do this. And I just had to immediately decide how lean could I run? How could I keep myself from getting murdered for as long as possible and just focus on getting as many accesses as possible? Because my game plan was over. Like it was mm-hmm. done. Sure. And, and there's another great example from King of Subways, Dan, um, in the game that you and I had, um, where I lost the game. I had absolutely no, no business uh, reason to lose because you played you played to your outs. And I took my eye off the ball, right? I plucked defeat from the jaws of victory. You know, guys should never be killed. There is no reason why guys should ever <laughs> die to boom, right? Because you've got sport hoppers and you've got spy cameras. And I had on the lamb. I had, on the lam, um, I had how could this possibly go wrong and what happened dan i you tell the story <laughs> I, I i put down um a naked five three for you to steal which you took and then i um biotic i triple punitive you and then hit you for neural amp yeah <laughs> that's so you killed i don't get it you... it's only 10 damage How's yeah that it's, only, it's only it's <laughs> So, but again, so, but here's the learning, Dan. You did that, but I played another game. Um, I played um, Andrew Cortez, CTZ, um, in San Francisco when I was there. And he was on a very similar deck to you, and I didn't make that mistake twice, right? So he was on a brain rewiring, Helheim servers, nonsense deck. Um, and I kept the sports hopper installed, and I kept on the land there. And you could see his, the light fade from his eyes as he realized <laughs> this wasn't going to go the way that it had gone. Oh, I had I had such a nightmarish day with that um, CI punitive deck because I ended up matched up against Geist three out of uh, five rounds. And oh wow! Against Jonas, Jonas just or not Jonas, uh, Jesse just put down two sports hoppers, and I'm like, well, I guess the game's over. Yeah, <laughs> like, but I put down I put down two sports hoppers too, Dan. I just fired them. And you just, just <laughs> used them, yeah. But again, that thing and that highlights another. Another example of the play from that day, which highlights this thing about thinking about how you lose the game. So um, I playing against Jonas Wilson, probably the biggest name in Netrunner I've ever played. Um, I was really happy to get a split with him. But in our, in, when I was running against him as Geist, um, he had some really tough draws. So he played ultraviolet clearance twice. And the only card that he could install from his hand that was not an agenda was the cerebral override so that he wanted to, to mission out. <laughs> so, so he held to violet it and put out this unadvanced card. And I thought, oh, fine, I'll run that. Oh, it's a cerebral override with no counters. That goes in the bin. Um, and then he did mission one out. Uh, I was on five points and all he had was FCOM. Uh, so I scored FCOM. But it, and I, what I didn't think about was, especially in the last probably two turns of the game, okay, I didn't think. He, he can, he's going to combo out. He's not going to kill me. He's just going to combo out. What should I be doing? What I should be doing is run his, running his HQ for single accesses. It doesn't matter if you burn all of your breakers. If you don't win in the next turn, he's going to mm-hmm. win. He's going to combo out. And especially when he's like, you know, he spends five minutes looking at his hands and then he draws <laughs> a card. And it's like, okay. <laughs> he's close. Yeah. You, need to be, you need to be running. And I didn't. And as a consequence, I lost the game. Um, and I, but I could, I could have played to my outs, and I should have taken those accesses. Do you think uh, one thing I, I've I noticed uh, when I play against the Mushin deck is sometimes I'm I get distracted by the Mushin game, um, that I'm too busy, you know, trying to like, you know, uh, get in their mind and figure out, oh, well, what did they do? What would they want to do? Um, what did they draw? And mm-hmm. I am too busy playing that game instead of playing. Android Netrunner, um, where, you know, and I'm trying to find how do I get to get, certain points. Get accesses, or, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know so, if that, yeah. No, I think, I think that's very true. Um, and, and I think the other thing that happened from King of Subways is I realized that, um, that it's a mistake. Yes, good opponents, the, you know, the, the, the players who are really good players, um, they have that reputation for a reason, but ultimately, you're, you, you, there is an element that you're, you're playing the person, not just the cards. But if you play the, you know, you're playing the cards. The cards are on the table, right? The other person, if they're really, really good, is going to be playing those cards in a very skilled way. But ultimately, if you've got a good deck, um, I think I lost my fear of playing against good players um, as a consequence of actually, I took a game, I took a game off Jonas Wilson. You know, that was really, really pleasing. You know, we split and, and that's given me a lot of confidence that 
these players are human and uh, not, not directly fallible. Certainly Jonas didn't lose because he made a mistake. He'd lose because in that particular matchup, I, the cards fell my way and I was able to, uh, I was able to you know, play them in a way in such that I, I managed to win. Um, so my confidence grew a lot, I think, as a consequence of doing the tournament. Yeah, yeah I think that also helps just in terms of uh, if you go into a matchup thinking that you're going to lose, you make bad decisions. Um, yeah. yeah, having confidence. And um, as, one thing for me is that I tend to play a little bit on the slower side. Like I like to think about what I'm doing. And a lot of the top players play very quickly. Um, and so kind of coaching myself that I don't have to play as fast as them. I can like I can take my time and think about what I'm doing and not feel intimidated and pressured by the fact that they're a really good player playing fast. Um, that's something that's helped me, too. Yeah, I, I used to go to time in every single round. I mean, it was just crazy. Um, but, you know, I think that comes with practice. And, it, it, you know, the more, you, the more games you've got with a deck, it's like with chess. When you, when you recognize a certain pattern of cards against a match on that you've played a lot of times before, you don't have to think about it. You know, yeah. Argus, Argus, you know, you've got ice and a hostile first term. You just score the hostile. You know, I score hostile, five credits, go. Right? And, and as opposed to thinking, you know, so... And then when it comes to the crucial points where you've really got to think long and hard about the line you're going to take, that's when you can, you know, that's when you, you do mm -hmm. that. I mean, so, yeah. yeah. Well, I think one of the interesting things about the King of Subway uh, format is that uh, if you have the skill to identify when um, moments in a game line up where taking your time and really focusing on them uh, is valuable, not only... I mean, that's useful in any game when you're like, oh, I really need to think through what I'm doing. But if you do recognize that moment, you even have two um, consultants to talk through your decisions on. Um, I think uh, one thing that I, you know, I, I think we did, you know, our team did pretty well. Um, yeah, we haven't really done the, like, celebrate King of... Oh, yeah, yeah. We kind, uh, we we kind of backwards got back into talking about King of Subways, but, but yeah. I meant this. I was going to say that I, I think we didn't do a great job of uh, taking advantage oh. of the format, and I well, and I and I do think that there were other teams that did a better job. Um, mm -hmm. That's something it. I was proud of. Um, even though um, the net ready guys did not have a strong finish, we finished uh, one slot above middle. Um, I was really proud of Alan and Thomas. We had a lot of table talk. We went over our opening hands and mulligans every time, you know. And they, I was the dead weight. I was the dead weight this tournament. Uh, I think the two of them each only dropped one game. Yeah. yeah. I, I, no. I, no, no, no. They got, be right. they got swept the last round. So I yeah. think both of them dropped, dropped three. three games. But that's still a pretty low number. Mm -hmm. No, um, it is. Well, I also was dead weight, and uh, my two um, compatriots were able to drag me to second place. So they couldn't have dropped. They couldn't have only lost one game. That's yeah. unless you did really badly, maybe. I was really proud. I was really proud going back to um, the discussion. Um, Alan, who has been playing a lot less frequently, but has really kind of like zoned in on Titan. Have he? So was taking games off of good people all day. Like he swept Jonas. He swept a couple other people on other teams that um, are really good. And he was just really focused, really good about his outs, and just like play kept his cool in a way that I haven't seen him do very much uh, until this year when he did really well at the charity tournament and really well at this. But you guys, yeah. let's talk about your guys' performance because you guys actually did well. <laughs> Yeah, so Talassan's team got first place, so yeah. I'll share about a that a little bit. By a wide margin. Yeah, yeah. quite a margin. <laughs> yeah. So my, my main worry going into the tournament was that playing alongside Dan and Kenny would mean that they were basically just playing my decks for me, and that was really there just to hold the cards. <laughs> <laughs> but that didn't happen. In fact, I was on stream in one game, and I leaned across to Dan, who was already preoccupied with his claim, and I showed him my opening hand and said, what do you think, Dan? And he looked across at me and said, I don't know. I've never played your deck before. <laughs> so, <laughs> so okay okay just you know focus back and hunker down so I, it worked well i think for us so we i mean those guys are great players kenny went 10 and 0 dan went eight and two argus carried me um 
and it's really solid. So many good games. I think that the, the, the good thing about the team tournament is that there were just one or two games where it was really tense. So Kizra and I, Cat, uh, were playing in a, in a really, really tense game. And there was a point where it was actually three on three. So behind Kizra, <laughs> Justin was there and the other player on their team. And on my side, I've got Dan and Kenny. Yeah. And we're all, we're, yeah. So we're all looking at our hands and trying to figure out what's going on. And so that was a load of fun. Um, mm-hmm. to be, you know, they pointing at cards and saying, what do you think about that one and all the rest of it? And um, that was really nice about the team tournament. You can support each other in between rounds, talk about where, where you've gone. Um, and But I yeah. did, you know. Honestly, I'm going to like say... Um, maybe have an unpopular opinion and say the opposite. I found it kind of distracting and difficult when it got to the point where, you know, Sanjay and Ian were both finished their games and were looking over my shoulder, helping me like having those extra voices competing with the voice in my head. Like, like I started to feel overwhelmed and like, I don't, there was a, a turn where I was finally able to get in and trash a blacklist and I had, you know, told myself, okay, I need to make sure I install my paperclip while this blacklist is gone because he could just reinstall another one from hand next turn and like almost forgot to do that because, you know, everyone had opinions on what I should do with my, yeah. So I don't know. The team form, the team format is certainly fun. I'm not sure it actually helps me play. Well, I think it depends. Well, I think... Oh, I go think, ahead. I think it depends. Uh, and I don't mean this to malign uh, uh, Sanjay in any way, but uh, I think that's because you're the strongest player on your team. I don't think that it's unfair to say that in competitive environments, and you also are somebody who knows your decks ridiculously well. I think that's the more the part of it. I was on Max, which I've been playing pretty much exclusively for like six months now, which everyone hates. Yeah, like, like you know that deck is inside so and... tired of playing against Max. But, but you know so, that yeah. deck inside and out. Mm-hmm. And it's tough when... And, and it's tough when you know a deck inside and out because... People may come in with that insight, but they're also just, like, muddying up mm-hmm. your thought process that you've practiced and trained. But yeah, yeah so sorry. having confidence mm-hmm. in a team environment to say, no, actually, guys. I got, I got it. it. Yeah. yeah, well, I, I think know, that's, that's more... I, 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 don't, I think the way you worded it is that that's something that, you know, you need to work on. But really, you know, we're your teammates and we're trying to, um, you know, help you. We should have the humility to, you know, recognize when... Uh, oh, you certainly did. When I said, actually, like when I said, I don't know, I said something along those lines when I was feeling a little too pressured and you guys backed right off. So, yeah. No, but yeah, um, that's, that's fair. And um, I, think, I think another thing <laughs> to keep in mind, though, just going to back to like the multi-headed dragon nature of the tournament and hmm. going back to the beginning of the episode where um, Russell uh, brought up us testing that Geist idea that I had together, I think... If you trans another takeaway from this episode is if you can transplant out that multi-headed testing like what you did with Kenny with the opening hands or things like that or you're double piloting on Jnet, one it's a ton of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Sanjay and I do it every morning or alternate mornings <laughs> and it's amazing how much you learn about your own play style and your own thought process about the game when you have somebody else being like why are you gonna? Why are you gonna do that? Yeah. Why are you <laughs> doing this? Yeah. Or or, yeah. or them or them having an insight or them saying something and you're learning from each other and then you're looking at the deck list and they're evaluating card slots and bringing up cards that maybe you don't play with very often that you hadn't thought of. So I think there's a lot there. Like if you have a um a friend or a, somebody online that you want to reach out to that you know um plays an archetype or an identity that you're interested in. Like duo testing where you can get that extra head in there to kind of think about it and give feedback to how you're playing it or how you're building it. I've found that incredibly valuable in my play. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, think the, so. other, the other thing that came out of this, I think we it's 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 often we often focus on the specific things that we could learn, like, I don't know, lines at the end of the game or something else like that, or how to play against CTM or whatever else it might be. But the most useful thing that came out for me of King of Subways and actually having sat alongside Kenny uh, for most of the day and playing him a lot of times the evenings before, um, I, I, said, I said to him, what, you know, what, what do you think of my play? You know, what, what do you think? Um, you know, what could I focus on? And his interesting answer, he said, um, his answer was a bulk level observation, not a specific observation. His, his observation was, as the corp, 
you wait until you're sure that you can score. You don't see the board as your opponent sees it. So you've got paper, your, your remote is paper, your remote is vanilla and Horton, and your opponent has black orchestra in, orchestra in the bin, right? And maybe you've seen off an inject, they've got paper clip in hand. And you're not putting, you're not install advancing um, uh, Archer in that remote because you know that your opponent can get in. But if you think about it from your opponent's point of view, you've got two unresed dice and a scored hostile. Either of those could be Archer. They don't have MK Ultra. Maybe they've mm -hmm. got maybe they've got something else on the data sucker on the board or something else like that that they don't want to lose. And so you can't. You should put yourself on your opponent's side of the board and say, what you know, uh, what does that look like? And take more risks with scoring windows. Yeah. And, and and I've done that in the weeks after after King of Subways, and I've won a lot more games by being bolder and not waiting for that completely secure moment when there is no way that my opponent could get into the remote to steal. I've got to say, I love what NGO Front has done to the game in terms of like scoring agendas when you really don't have a window to score an agenda. <laughs> because if it's like pretty obvious that you don't have a window and you install advance advance they'll like a lot of the time think that it's an ngo front and you can get like a bold um yeah. score in yeah. a in mark the cash refresh finals um i was against um crit hit d20 who is greg tongue who got second at world so i was very intimidated by that um, I had been undefeated with my Ag Infusion deck, and I drew just the worst hand. It had like three. <laughs> I was on all three pointers, and I had three of them in my opening hand. And so I ended up just naked. Um, I, I think I got Money Tremont, but turn two, I was. Um, I just naked advanced an Obacata, and he didn't check it because I assumed he who thought would it was do that? Who would yeah. do such a, a madness thing? Yeah, so I was able to get one of the agendas out of my hand that way. Another one I just dropped in the discard. And so then he correctly assumed that I had been flooded when he saw what I did. But by then I was down to just one in five agendas. So was able to recover and eventually win that game. Yeah, incidentally, those games are incredible. Um, our, our very good friend Kevin uh, streamed them and uh, they're on his channel. Uh, you should check them out. Uh, it was an incredible final. Yeah, it's, they the, were it's, really it's, fun. it's the hacktivist. Yeah. On uh, yeah. YouTube, I'll put a, I'll put a link in the show notes when I export out to YouTube. Sounds good. Nice. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I think, I think one of the biggest things is, is, um, you know, and, and this is something that seems obvious when we talk about it, but I think especially now that runners have really strong economy, or not as strong as they once did, but runners are pretty consistent now, right? Mm -hmm. And they have been for a long time. So I feel like a lot of times we have this issue where we assume that the runner has every tool, right? But even if they do, they might not use them, even if they have those tools available. And that's something that I think um, Argus helps with um, and a couple other um, identities help with. You just happen to be like, I'm going to make you scared of what I have in store for you. Because that's what the corp—that's what the corp game in Netrunner is all about—is hidden information mm -hmm. and leveraging that the runner has imperfect knowledge. Yeah, yeah I think I th one. Uh, oh, go ahead. No, you go. Oh, I think I was thinking. You know, I play a lot of off-meta decks, and I think one thing, you know, besides the fact that the reason they're off-meta is because, um, you know, they're probably worse. Uh, I think one disadvantage I have is that, you know, if I slot uh, hard-hitting news in a tenon deck, um, nobody's going to respect hard-hitting news. I have to. Uh, which has advantages of, you know, I can surprise people with them, but I have to draw hard-hitting news and punish them to make them punish. Whereas if you're playing uh, any yellow deck, you don't you don't even need to have the card in your deck and you have hard-hitting news threat. Um, during my game against Kenny at King of Subways, I was playing uh, around uh, C-Source uh, EOI uh, to a big degree, and he doesn't even have C-Source in the deck. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's... Uh, it was an interesting, um, I, I think one thing that I hadn't really reflected on is to what extent um, hidden fears, uh, you need to take advantage of them and not uh, too easily um, put your opponent at ease. Yeah. Um, sorry, Larry, you were uh, going to say something. 
I forget what I was going to say, but that reminded me of a game at um, King of Subways where my opponent, um, like, turned and talked to their teammate and said, I could do this and steal this agenda maybe, but what if she has punitive? Can I survive? Can I recover from punitive? I was not running punitive, but the whole, <laughs> the whole rest of the game, I, like would occasionally ask him how many cards he had in his hand, how many credits he had, just because, like, he gave me the idea that he was worried about punitive, and so I, like, faked having punitive the whole rest of the game, and he played more casual, or, yeah, played more cautiously than he should have. That's the best way to shark somebody. That's the best way to shark somebody, is you just keep asking them how many cards they have in their hand. Yeah, I will say that, um, I mean, that's one of the big things that, you know, NBN got a huge uh, um, power drop from Sweeps Week rotating, because, you know, they used to be able to just Always ask how many cards you have in your hand, and that just makes your opponent scared. <laughs> um, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I will say this: if you're playing at a team tournament, you got to be careful about what information you're giving the opponent, because <laughs> sometimes it is not worth it. Um, I think at King of uh, Servers in uh, at, at Worlds, um, I had I was just you know over advancing a beal, and they and every time it was their turn, uh, they talked to me about what level they were you know comfortable with how many advancements there were on my card. And I was able to get, you know, they're like, you know, they just told me they're not going to run on it. I'm like, okay, all right, good to know. <laughs> oh, yeah, that like, game where you won with the just the one Super Beal? No, no, I didn't win that game. We were, uh, I had no shot. <laughs> um, but I did score a, a four-point Beal, which is, you know, as close as That's I can nice. get to yeah. being happy. Yeah. That is all. Oh. Um, <laughs> So looking at some of the looking at some of the big high level observations here, you know, some of the big things, you know, you kind of got Russell an outsider's not an outsider's perspective, because obviously you're a Netrunner player. That's a weird way to phrase it. But you 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 came into one of the more disciplined practiced groups in Netrunner. You know, Kenny and Dan play a lot, they test a lot. Well, can't, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think Dan has. Dan, Dan just picks up a deck and wins with it, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, so you got this view in, and you know, it's it's a lot of the things that we've been talking about. But like, for you, is it like a like a like a gestalt thing that you take away from this, or is there some like critical mindset that you took away from that experience? Um. No, I think the experience definitely has given me stuff that I, I will put into practice in the next tournaments that I go to. So making sure that I know a deck, uh, practicing the, the, the key. I will definitely do the uh, 50, 50 opening hands thing, right, and, and, and think about those. But again, doing that, I would say Netrunner is an individual experience in play. But it's much, much better as a shared experience in practice, mm. right? You get much more out of I get much more out of practicing and sharing the practice Reading. with somebody else, even if it's just two people talking to each other. You know, somebody, uh, I think it was um, um, Mark um, who, who practices with, um, uh, with, with Dave Hoyland wrote an article about practicing and, and preparing. And he said, um, if, you're, if you're practicing in real life, um, you should talk about what you've got in your hand because at the highest levels, your opponent probably already knows that and, and has figured it all out anyway. <laughs> so, disclo- so disclosing that and talking about whether you should keep an opening hand and actually then uh-huh. you know, having them play on, knowing that they've got that in the opening hand, um, is that actually tests, tests those, those higher level skills. But yeah. I think def- I, practicing as a shared experience rather than an individual experience is something that personally I get much more pleasure from. Mm-hmm. And and I know that we're on casual. It's so easy on casual Jane to jump into a game and then good game and move on to the next one. But I would rather Laura play you, or Sanjay or Dan or whoever else is there. And then actually after the game is finished, to say, okay, what you know, what did we learn from that game? Mm-hmm. Grinding grinding is sometimes good, but actually, and, and I know that um, Dave Sayer is definitely of this opinion. He and I've talked about it uh, a number of times. Um, playing one game in competitive against a good player who's then willing to talk with you about the lines that you took once you've got your head around the, the basic deck and so on it's probably worth 10 games in the casual lobby hmm. and that's i wish good I advice. And, and i should in fact that's one thing that's definitely come out of, of king of subways is that i've played more games in the competitive room on jnet in the last month than i played in all of 2017 I yeah, that, yeah i 
I definitely practice in competitive rather than in casual, but if it's not someone I know, I never like initiate a post game conversation because um, I just feel like maybe I'm wasting their time. Maybe they would think it's annoying, something like that. So I should, I should try to do that a little more. People who play Netrunner are really nice for the most part, and yet I'm always afraid to engage them. So. Uh, yeah, I, I, I have, I think starting off the game and saying, um, this is an interesting game. Um, would you mind if at the end of the game we talked for just two minutes about how it went? Mm-hmm. I, I've, I've never had somebody say no. Never mm-hmm. had somebody say no. Netrunner people are nice people in the yeah. vast majority of cases. And the ones who aren't go on my JNet block list and I never yep. see them anyway. So <laughs> That's a great thing that that exists now. Well, I, I, I think go, going going back to like the quality of practice, you know, it, it comes down to um, something that I've discussed many times. You know, I love going to tournaments. I love playing, but I'm like above average trash. So, uh, and it, we're not getting into my self-deprecation here, Sanjay, because I saw your face. Um, <laughs> but um, what, my favorite thing about Netrunner is talking about Netrunner. Like, my favorite part of a tournament is the part we all where we all go to dinner afterwards and, like, talk about our games for, like, two and a half hours and, like, talk about the meta and talk about archetypes and deck slots in our decks. And what you're talking about is, like, doing, like, a micro version of that, right? Uh-huh. Like being thoughtful about the game and this is something you put in the you know some of the write-up notes that the that you gave us is being thoughtful about the game is useful and that's something that actually when dan came on the channel he said sometimes thinking about the game in a really constructive way with other people is better than even playing a test game because we're losing you on audio there lost you on audio there oh am i back uh yeah you're back now i could hear you the whole time yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Sorry. No worries. Yeah. Oh no. It's fine. But sometimes mm-hmm. talking about the game in a thoughtful way mm-hmm. is more useful than you know. That's really useful, right? Yeah. Um. So I think that that's something that's a really good nougat to take away is, and that's why we love meetups, right? That's why we love mm-hmm. going to tournaments and then hanging out with people afterwards, especially the people that beat us, because that feedback, <laughs> that feedback is what we live for right in this game because that's where the improvement lives yeah do we, want we to should talk do about... more of that yeah do we uh, want to like talk I know about um, homework for next episodes sure um, Re- really yeah, quickly just... really quickly we can go a little bit over an hour really quickly okay. Laura, what were you going to say um, I don't remember oh, no, it, was should... ab- it was about the feedback from people that beat you oh oh I was going to say, um, we've really been struggling to arrange meetups because most of us are parents and it's just hard to get out and do things. But what if we did this more often where we just did a, a Skype chat and just talked about Netrunner more? I don't know. Just wanted to throw that idea out yeah, there. Yeah, like by we, t- we can do a Skype chat and talk about like, Netrunner. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, like, one, like, once a, like once every two weeks, maybe. <laughs> yeah. So I got- so I could suggest some homework around the theme of um, of shared shared practice and quality practice, which yeah. is that which is which is to we could do it for each other, or or with your you know if you're listening to the pod, to, to the to the podcast later on with your local play team is to is to play some games um, in real life. Obviously, it's easy, but I, I because I travel so much, JNet is ninety percent of my playing, and in real life is only ten percent. Um, so Laura or Sanjay or Dan, let's play a game on 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 JNet this week. Let's arrange to do that, or if we see each other on, but let's talk about the game. Let's let's th- let's after the game, let's take five minutes to think about where where was the point where where who the person who lost lost the game, right? Where was the person who won the game realized what their winning line had to be? At what point in the game you, did you decide, okay? Um, I need to do this, and so I'm going to be doing this from now on. Um, those kinds of observations for me are, are really important. T- tempo is really critical, right? When mm-hmm. is, was there a point in that game where you just lost tempo to the point that the game for you wasn't winnable from there? So let's see if we can improve the quality of our practice games. And, and... I bring in somebody on. So a question: Do you think it's more helpful? for like for me to play against you and then have that chat afterwards or for me to spectate with hands revealed and watch you play against someone else and then we talk about it I, like, what, 
both of those are great, right? Okay. So I, 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 I love both of those, right? So well, let's, do play, <laughs> let's, let's do both. Let's do both. And and to have somebody watching and, and I, as yeah, I've loved I love getting feedback. Um, I say, um, and it's 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 a really valuable tool. I mean, Dave, you know, um, I know Dave's watching the um, uh, watching watching the stream and commenting. Um, you know, I, Dave has often spectated my games. And then after the game, he just messaged me and said, I didn't like X, right? I didn't like the daily casts. I was, I was playing against Incatson the other day. And uh, I installed, the game was nearing the end and I installed daily casts and underworld contacts. When I had enough money to win, I think she was on Titan. So she's going to win by rushing out. That was two wasted clicks and mm -hmm. four wasted credits that I could have put more usefully into something else. That's really good feedback. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think feedback on and observations about because I think once you're at a certain level, um, it's those nuances that make the difference in the play that you're going to, you know, you're going to, you'll win in the cut if you, if you take advantage of those learnings next time, whereas you might not win in the cuts if you, if you ignore them or don't see them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So just to kind of codify for those watching at home and listening at home who may want to follow along, try to get in. Um, you know, several practice games between now and the next time we record in approximately two weeks where you do like a two-headed uh, two-headed dragon type thing where you and another person, maybe somebody else in your meta who's familiar with the archetype that you're trying to play, you pilot a deck together or you find somebody who you know is going to probably kick your butt at Netrunner and play with them and then have a chat afterwards about their lines, their hands, your hands, your lines, what unfolded in the game and get that other perspective. Cause you know, I know for my own part, I grind a shitload of games of Netrunner every week and they feel, you know, we've had this conversation before. I don't get a lot out of them because I, 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 I rip through them too fast. So I think that's really good feedback and really good homework because if I'm just grinding games without really putting if I'm in like a, a mindless state while I'm doing it, I'm not really getting any meaningful information out of that. Yeah, I think you put it well. Yeah. Sanjay, you have anything to add? No, that sounds great. Um, I agree. Okay. <laughs> so, um, Russell, thank you so much for coming to visit us in the United <laughs> States and being on the show. Sure. Yeah, it was so nice meeting you in person. Yeah, and it was it was a wonderful experience to be there. One of the absolute tip top experience of my net running journey to date. Um, and uh, I hope that yeah, I'm looking forward to getting into more metas. And um, I, where am I? My travel. I'm in Bucharest. I don't know how much net runner is there in Bucharest. Does anybody know? I'm in I, guess I guess you're gonna find. I guess you're gonna find out. <laughs> Maybe and, bring some teaching decks with you. Yeah, I could do that too. But it was a ton of, it was a ton of fun to be there. And, and, and absolute, I, it was one of those situations where I was delighted when I got matched against Laura in one round. And I was also delighted when I was matched against uh, Dan another. And uh, to confess, Sanjay, somewhat disappointed that you didn't, I didn't get to play in real life. Yeah, but I know. That's, yeah, that's true. Well, come visit us in Delaware sometime. Yeah. Absolutely. We have a lot of uh, chemical engineering stuff around here we do we do mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah what a what a what a great um yeah what a great experience um and also um if you've never done the king of subways king of servers style team tournament in your area there's a lot of information on it online and people in slack know about it um, try to put one of those events together if you can, even if you have a small number of teams. It really is a fun experience, and it's it's really shakes up um, how you have to play because everybody has to play something different, right? So you yeah. you buy by the very nature of the format, you can't have well the winning team is you know three indexing vowels and <laughs> three CTMs. You know what I'm saying? It can't, you can't mm -hmm. be like that. Everybody has to play stuff and you know even though i complained the entire time i ended up having to learn how to play my ci deck against four i would say four out of the five decks i played were strongly favored against me 
And I had mm-hmm. to learn how to pilot against that. And that was mm-hmm. really useful for me. Even if I didn't pull out those games, that experience was really good because I wanted to win those games. And so I put the mental energy into trying to find my lines. Yeah. I'm personally still kicking myself for losing to Russell's Argus deck because <laughs> my husband plays Argus and like my max deck should win that matchup like nine out of 10 times. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was it was hilarious, right? I was on I was playing in JNet the other night, um, and um, I was um, playing in August playing uh, the, the deck from King of Subways because I think I still think it's one of the best uh, corporation decks mm-hmm. out there right now. And uh, my opponent typed in chat uh, after I'd read an archer. They typed in somebody writes up in a deck description that archers are good ice, and all of a sudden everybody's playing it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, imagine. So, <laughs> I, I think I think what it really comes down to is is it's funny. Um, this is what we'll probably leave on is that um, people forget about good cards because and then the situations that made them stop being played have passed. Right, like Archer stopped being played for a long time because during a period of time before like the MWL and a bunch of other things, uh, it was just a race to seven points. So sacrificing agendas was really bad, and runners were able to very efficiently or more efficiently break it, right? Now that everyone's on MK Ultra, Archer's <laughs> way good again, but people just kind of, like, forgot about it. Like, they never revisited the card. Yeah, although Maxwell James is rearing his ugly head, which makes me very, very sad as Argus oh, when I realize that. Oh, that so good. I love it. I love <laughs> Maxwell James. I hate James. that card so much. Oh. <laughs> but, Yeah. Everybody, anyway. thank you so much for taking time out of your day to come hang out with us. And until we hear from all you fine Netrunner humans again, always be running. Bye. Yeah, bye. See ya.